The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be um, today. Um, so if you brought a Bible or... Um, you need a Bible. There's Bibles around you. Those black Bibles are a free gift for you if you need a Bible or have somebody you'd like to give a Bible to. Um, that's a, a gift from us to you. So Matthew chapter 6. I've um, been talking about the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and we're in a series called The Kingdom as we are just for the next, I don't know, months and months, we're going to be going through the book of Matthew and seeing what uh, the book of Matthew, uh, what Jesus would and God would share with us in that. But before we get started today, let me pray. And then we'll get into the study this morning. Father, we thank you so much for, uh, for who you are. Father, we, um, just as we sang these songs this morning, and as Eric shared from the Psalms, your majesty. And Father, this morning, may we understand um, a little bit more of your greatness and fall more and more in love with you. And Father, right now we ask that who you are in your spirit and the work of your spirit Help us um, in our lives and equip us this morning through your word as we study the Lord's Prayer. It's in your name. Amen. So to begin with, I just want to uh, share with you something that happened a few years ago. Uh, Rivers was in a, in a parking lot, and we're up in Pennsylvania. It's called Giant. So it sounds maybe funny to you, but for us who lived in PA, Giant sounds like high V. And high V sounds pretty funny to people in Pennsylvania. So it's funny about our grocery stores. So we were at Giant you know, um, and Giant, uh, Rose was there at Giant, with, the, and she was just driving, looking for a parking spot, and, and somebody backed up and into her, and just, just one of those parking lot uh, fender benders, and she called, as maybe some of you guys have done, where you call your spouse, kind of going, hey, this happened, what should I do, and I'm like, take pictures, I don't know, like, how bad is it, and she's like, the hubcap's broken, I'm like, all right, you know, you're trying to decide, make sure you get information, so she, she's driving some, and she's like, it's driving, okay, I think, and great. So it's this car, they got into an accident, but we're not quite sure what happened. But like most things in our lives, um, nothing showed itself at first. But I started noticing the steering wheel, we would drive straight, but like the steering wheel was kind of cocked sideways. And maybe you guys have had this problem as well. And I began to walk around the car, as, and I noticed that, and, and, and basically the right front tire half of it was bald, like the outside half was bald. And what was the problem? Those of you guys who know about cars, what was the problem? Alignment, that's right. And it's a, with the alignment being off, basically it, it'll wear your tire, tires down really fast to make your steering wheel look kind of funny when you're driving. Um, so we knew that that needed to be fixed. But it took a few weeks for us to notice. It was the results of this accident, and it was something on the inside. And the guy, when he, when he, when he, when he was with Rivers, he's like, you don't need to call my insurance, I'll just give you cash, right? So just let me know what the problem is. So I called, and I told him um, that we were going to take it in, and he's like, okay. I took it in, and they said it was going to be $2,000 worth of damage inside, like all that inside part get all smashed, and multiple components need to be fixed. So professionals who knew what the inside problem was knew the cost of it. So it was a pretty big problem, and of course the guy was like, call my insurance company, <laughs> you know, so that's what we did. But anyway, all that to say is when the alignment is off, it really messes with your car, 
and it can cause you lots of problems, right? Not just talking to all these folks, and it can be thousands of dollars even. And what I want to talk today with you is about prayer. And sometimes our prayer life, we don't think it's that big of a deal. You know, we can go some time without talking to God, and we think things are okay. But then things start kind of falling apart a little bit, and where do we go? We go to the pro, right? We go to the pro who knows all about humanity and all about life. And what happens? We get aligned. Okay, so as we talk about prayer today, I want you to kind of have that picture in your mind about this alignment. And my hope is, and what would have been a lot cheaper because we ended up having to buy the tire, was if I would have went and got, went to the pro first, right? But when I talked to the insurance company, it was like, we're not going to buy you a new tire. Well, the tire was fine when you got into an accident. Because what happens is we wait until chaos begins to happen. And we go like, okay, I need to start talking to God. And my hope today is, as we study what Jesus talks about prayer, is that daily alignment is available for us. We're talking about how the Father, our Creator, the pro, wants to meet with us and help us. And it's inside this conversation with God that he helps us, he aligns us. These words, he reminds us, he reveals to us in this conversation called prayer. The Holy Spirit points us to reality because that's normally what's going on in our lives that's messed up. We are not living in true reality that only God knows. So prayer, as many of you guys may know, it involves talking, it involves listening. Most of us know it involves lots of waiting and patience. It involves confessing, celebrating, and trusting. And all those words I just shared, they're good for healthy relationships with people. Let me say those again. Talking, listening, waiting, and patience with people. Confessing, celebrating, trusting. Like those are the things we want with our good relationships here on this earth as well. So Joel shared last, uh, a couple weeks ago, as we, was going through, uh, we were going through the Sermon on the Mount, and kind of focused on the, the how prayer is important for forgiveness. And Joel even shared, hey, a little later we're going to be doing a study on prayer. And these next two weeks, my hope is that we can work on our prayer life some and be reminded about the prayer. Jesus wants to make disciples. And inside the sermon, he takes time to say, hey, this is prayer. Jesus is teaching how to live rightly in the kingdom. So prayer, and the right kind of prayer, helps us be the right kind of citizens and children. And one of the key ways to living as a child of God is to grow your relationship with God. At our church, we, we exist to love God and our neighbors together. And we believe discipleship's growing and loving God and our neighbors together. So this spiritual discipline of prayer is what we're going to be talking about today. So let's look at Matthew 6, 5 through 10. And we'll be reading through the first half of the Lord's Prayer this morning. Let's start in uh, verse 5, though. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray... Go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, 
for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let's review for a second. We're going to stop there. Let's review for a second. So kingdom citizens living on this earth as a child of the king inside his kingdom, right? It's not about the earthly reward. The past couple of weeks, we've been talking about earthly treasure and heavenly treasure. But if we seek the earthly reward, do these religious acts like spiritual disciplines, like prayer, so that other people will be impressed, then that is our reward. We get to impress each other. But if we want to truly have a heavenly reward, then there are certain things that we should do in secret. Jesus talked about doing things in secret like giving and prayer and fasting. Second, as we've spent these two weeks on seeking first the kingdom, seeking first his heavenly treasure, in contrast, the lack of faith and being anxious and seeking money in the things of this world. So this week and next week, as we talk about prayer, our hope is this alignment will help us continue to seek the eternal treasure and not be anxious of the things of this world. And the Lord's Prayer, like Jesus' teaching on purpose, it even saying you should pray like this, right? And these six petitions, these six key things that Jesus is going to talk about in the Lord's Prayer, the first talk about this upward, our vertical, our relationship with God. And the second half talks about our relationship with others and our personal well-being. So God first, man second. That's the ideal. It's just like the Ten Commandments. The first four Ten Commandments of the Ten Commandments are all about vertical relationship with God. And the next six are about our well-being and for others. So let's follow this pattern some. Some of you guys may have even heard the ACTS, A-C-T-S acronym for praying. ACTS is one of the books in the Bible. And the, the letter A is adoration or adore, right? Just a system to begin thinking what, what the process of prayer is that you will see Jesus model here. C, confess. T, thanksgiving. S, supplication, which is a big word, so I say stuff. Like, what's the stuff going on? A-C-T-S. And I don't know if you guys have ever recognized this, but the way we do a service on Sunday morning and how we've kind of designed this it's kind of with that flow. We begin just pointing to God, as you heard Eric say this morning. And we spend some time each morning confessing. And the songs that we select after the confession, it's like, your love never fails. We're thankful for what he has done. We also have some time of equipping and celebrating as well. And at the end of each service, we have a time of prayers of the people where we, let sure, we make sure that together we're praying for one another and what's going on in this world. So as we look at this first half today, the adore part, the first half of the Lord's Prayer, it's the God's glory part. But before we get into that, right, there's two warnings that Jesus shares in here. One is let's not seek the earthly reward from impressing people. And I don't think I've seen any of you guys standing outside of your house on the sidewalk screaming prayers to God so your neighbors can see you uh, to impress your neighbors. 
because you all know that would not impress your neighbors. That would scare your neighbors, probably. Right? But the second warning was, um, let's not just repeat meaningless words. Right? The next slide up here, I think. Or, yeah, empty phrases. Let's not do that. And, and, and I want to kind of share a little bit. Um, the Lord's Prayer, in some circles, has become that. I mean, the very thing where Jesus is like, don't just heap up empty words. People have taken the Lord's Prayer and it's become this, you know, it's like there's nothing connecting the head and the heart. It's just your tongue knows these words, so it just says that. And we fall into that sometimes. We fall into that sometimes. When I was a freshman in high school, I was in uh, West Tennessee, and, and um, we had... Um, prior to the baseball season, the first ball you could throw, um, the coach could run your butt off as much as he wanted to. Maybe you were part of sports and this season where you could run a lot, but you couldn't actually play sports until a certain date. So for a month, we just ran a lot. And every day after we get done running, the seniors would lead the entire baseball team in the Lord's Prayer. And I didn't know the Lord's Prayer. At the church I grew up in, we didn't say it often, but I learned the Lord's Prayer from a bunch of pagans. I mean, seriously, I might have been the only person that had been baptized on the entire team. And I would say, compared to the way that they lived their life, those were heaping up empty phrases. But they did teach me the Lord's Prayer. You know, they did so that's some good I came out of it, I guess. Um, and I, my hope is there's a, that you know there's a difference between saying prayers and praying prayers. And it's just like the overall theme of Jesus' teaching here on the Sermon on the Mount. It's about the heart, right? What's your motivation? So a key part about prayer is not just saying words, but praying them from the heart. Um, I was texting Joel yesterday. He's like, I'm in Colorado. Uh, I was just going to ask him about something today, but, but that just made me think of um, Colorado. When Joel and I talk about it, he gets to go out there to see family, and, and, I, and, and it's special. Like when Joel and I talk about Colorado and when we got to go hiking in Europe one time, it's like you guys have seen those pictures. But I, like to me, like the mountains are phenomenal. And Joel and I like to talk about the mountains. But I've never lived in Colorado. But I can assume if you live there 30 years, the mountains kind of become scenery some days, right? We don't have that struggle in Kansas, like, houses and trees are pretty, you know. We have really pink skies at times, right? They're special. Um, but the mountains can become just scenery. And my hope is, is that your prayer life and things like the Lord's Prayer don't just become scenery. Don't just become some sort of checkbox thing that you do or say. The way you pray for your people in your life or the way you pray to your Father. That it would be something you never take for granted, but that you actually pray from the heart. So prayer, as I shared earlier, it aligns us to God, and it's never the other way around. So as we begin, I just want to look at this first part, that slide that was up there a second, a second ago, verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father. So this idea of praying to your Father is somewhat normal for us, 2,000 years from you know, Jesus coming and starting to teach on the Lord's Prayer. But Hughes, one of the commentators I use um, 
um, as, as I study, he did some research of how often the word father was used in the Old Testament. So Jesus is teaching, you know, Jewish people who, who study the Old Testament and, and relate to God that way in those rhythms. So when Jesus says, go into a room and pray to your father, like that's, that's new for them. And Hughes found there's 14 times that God was referred to as father in the entire Old Testament, which is most of the Bible, Okay. So this idea of your father is brand new. And when the word, the 14 times that it was used, it was always corporate. It was never personal. So when Jesus just, he's kind of introing the Lord's prayer, go into your room and pray to your father. There's a lot there for them. My question this morning, is there a lot there for you? Do you realize that that's the closeness that God wants to be to us? So let's begin looking at the Lord's Prayer. Speaking of Father. Our Father in heaven. So the Father, Jesus, um, Jesus just displays this in his life. But the Father is love. The Father is motivated by genuine care. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he let his son die for it. Motivated by love. That's the Father. Your father, you're praying to in secret. He's love. To he accepts. To all those who receive him, he gave the right to become a child of God. He's love. He's accepting. He's secure. Your father has got power and strength and protects. And I know in the room, these words loving, accepting, and protecting and secure may not describe your earthly father. So that may not be any sort of relationship you have in your mind. There's a huge contrast between God the Father and your earthly father figure. And there's others in the room that your father was like loving, accepting, protecting, secure. And when you think of your father, it helps you understand God. Most of us in the room are somewhere between the two right? But it's very important to understand that Jesus wants this idea of God being your father to be where we start. At our church, we talk about be, bless, belong. The B is our identity, who we are, and we say all the time we're satisfied children of God. Why is that? Because we forget that. And our hope is as a community that we can all live our lives out of this identity of who we are as adopted kids. It's where we must start. The second word I want to talk about in this first line is heaven. So God's transcendent, like he's other, right? He has sovereign reign over all. He understands all the realms, all the existence of all time, and he made them. He didn't just get them. He can't just see them. He created them into being. Jesus wants to remind us that the Father is powerfully sovereign. So just in these first two things, he's your father. But remember, he's your heavenly father who created all of, all of these things. He's close, but he's also far. That sounds like the kind of things God is, right? 
So I've mentioned this first phrase that Jesus mentioned, go into a room, pray to your Father. But how does he say is our example? What's the first word in the Lord's Prayer? It's our. So he wants to take it a step further and say, hey, we are children of God. Brothers and sisters who've been adopted into the kingdom. We are to love God, but we're also to love one another. Jesus wants to remind us, even in our prayers to our Father, Jesus wants to help us understand the connection that as we're connected to God, we should love his kids, which are our brothers and sisters. So the second line there, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, hallowed be your name. I don't use the word hallow very much, right? Um, but hallow is this honor, as holy. The word holy is like set apart. So you're honoring God because he's, he's other. His name is holy. Hol hall hallowed be your name. So as I started thinking about this week, name, like why are we praying of God's name? You know, earlier we talked about what's our identity, right? We're, we're children of God, right? All of us, that's, that helps us. Like you're a child, you're a child, you're a child. God's name is his identity. And this week when I kind of got to this part, I just said, okay, if I, if I didn't want to just say God's name is holy, who you are, God is holy, I just, was, I just started writing some words, right? Just a word, amazing, great, loving, right? Just all these characteristics of God. You guys probably do the same, you know, at times when you journal, like, God, who are you? And I was just like, I was on like the seventh line of writing all these different words down. I'm like, I'm like, God, you're all these things. So, so this idea of saying God's name, it helps us understand that maybe we don't have time to say all those words every time. But we can say, God, who you are, you're, you are holy. And we'll see that, how a lot of the writers of the Psalms do the same. Our God is glorious. He's at the top. He's the most. He's the greatest. Choose your superlative. He, he, he's not, it's not hyperbole. It's the truth. So when we say those words, we almost aren't even really describing the level of greatness that he is. What do we sing? That last song. How vast beyond all measure. That's how you describe something that's immeasurable. We can't measure you, God. That's a big thing. That's a big thing. So when we say your name is wonderful, we're telling God and reminding ourselves that he's perfect, that he's amazingly set apart. I'm going to read a psalm, Psalm 113, just six verses. Why don't we close our eyes and whatever things come to mind that you're not distracted by my good-looking shirt today. But close your eyes and just think upon God for a second as I read the first six verses of Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. 
the Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is seated on high? Who looks down, far down on the heavens and the earth? You guys can look up. How does the psalmist say great things about God? You're the best. I'm going to ask questions that can't be answered because the answer is you. Who, who's better than you? Who's greater than you? And when you go to God, Jesus is saying, this is how we start. Let our prayers be full of praising the name of God. So first we talk about him being the father, right? Our identity. He's close, but he's also far. And from that, honor to your name. Adore him. Begin understanding. You know what that does? It aligns us for all the other things we're about to say. Imagine a paralyzed man who has been paralyzed his whole life and um, his father has lived with him and cared for him. And, and when this paralyzed man has needs, the father gets up and takes care of this man. And say the paralyzed man has a guest that comes over. And the guest that comes over has heard about his father and what he has done. But the paralyzed man wants to maybe honor his father with this person that's coming over. What's the best way the paralyzed man can honor his father? Is it try to get out of bed and fix his father a drink? Or is it him letting the father do what the father has always done? And guys, as, as a people, as a church, this is prayer. We praise his name because we say, God, do what you've always done. We don't try to serve him. We allow him to serve us. Jesus even said, I have come not to be served, but to serve. And in John 15, this passage might be familiar. Jesus says, I'm the vine, right? You are the branches, if you abide in me and I in you, you do great things. But apart from me, you can do, finish it, nothing. Is that how you pray to God? Like a paralyzed person? God, I can't do anything without you. That is the way that we praise him and we honor him. We rely on him. This is how we will glorify God as we start our prayers. It's an open admission that we need him. He gets the glory. We get to be served. We get the joy. So the second thing we find after, right? We praise him and, and honor him. We pray your kingdom come. And this is what we've been talking about all the way through Matthew. The kingdom of the glorious God, the one we are praying to. Jesus is the king. And he has come. The kingdom is now because Jesus has come. But that's also a not yet. Jesus is teaching his followers 
and his people, you know, 2,000 years ago, that there's an invitation into this kingdom. And how does Jesus sum it up? He says, love God and love others. That's God's kingdom. So what's God calling you to do? Right? It's his reign and his rules. Jesus' teaching here and his teaching on prayer is emphasizing that this world is not about our kingdom, but it's his. So if it's his kingdom, what are we to do? The next one. Jesus says, for our own spirit, for our own alignment, if it's your kingdom come, then it's your will be done. What are we to do? God's will. So we start by knowing that he's our father, he's close, but he's also other. He's in heaven. He's ours. We have a spiritual family. He's glorious and set apart. It's about his kingdom. Then we should seek his will. Whatever God is initiating for us to do about loving him and loving others. The actions of this world are not defined by who God is or what God wants. The actions of this world are sometimes defined by what a collection of people think is right. But when there's a king and there's a kingdom, that's where we get our guidance. And it's the king's will. Romans 12, 1 and 2, some of the men, we studied this on the men's retreat. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Then you will know what is good, pleasing, and perfect will is. So guys, it begins with us understanding who we are and who God is, and then God gives us his will. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's where we're starting, guys. And next week we're going to start, we're going to continue talking about prayer. But my hope is as we pray individually in a room, you pray together with others, that you find yourself starting with who God is. Because it's how Jesus says we should. He says, pray this way. And I'm just going to close today with a few tips on prayer. I'll put them up here. It should be regular and random. Regular being, um, uh, like for example, Rivers, I heard her telling her friend when she brushes her teeth, he, she prays for me. You know, so that, that was cool. So I just put her toothbrush out often. Like, so when I started, we had a longer driveway in Pennsylvania and I started, when I back out the driveway, I did it every day. I would say a prayer for my wife. When we put our kids to bed, like many of you, we talk to our kids because they're kind of stopped and settled and we pray for them. It should be regular, personal time or personal time with other people, but also it could be random. When you guys find out that things happen, pray for people. Specific and general, pray for a, a, a very point thing in somebody's life or in your life. Pray for that thing. But also pray that the nations meet Jesus. We find all of these and everything in between in the Bible. Alone and with others, 
I know earlier we talked to Jesus saying, go to, your, go to this room and pray, and, you know, behind a closed door alone. But also we find Jesus teaching about prayer amongst people and knowing that people will and should pray together. But the problem is when you pray with other people, maybe it's not on a street corner, but maybe you're in a neighborhood group. You want to pray for like 15 minutes with a bunch of words you memorized, you know, just so everybody thinks you're really smart. Don't do that stuff. Don't do it. People are going to think you're really smart, and that's your reward, right? So, so my heart is that your heart would be, when you pray with others, pray genuinely for people, not so other people think you're smart. Pray right now and later. And maybe you guys have these experiences where somebody comes up to you and says, hey, this is going on. And you say, hey, let's pray for that. And sometimes at first it kind of takes you back, but once you get used to it, you're like, yeah, of course. Why not? Let's pray now. Let's pray now. But also it's sometimes awkward. Somebody tells you something, you're, <laughs> you're like, you're leaning over in their car because they pulled in the neighborhood. You're talking to them. They tell you something. You're like, four cars are waiting on you. Maybe you don't pray right there. You know, maybe you wait till later, right? There's hundreds of examples of why not to pray right there. That's just the one that came to my mind from this week. God's word and your own words. Guys, the Psalms are rich, and there's 150 of them. That's half the year. If you run out of words to say, 119, that'll take care of about 15 minutes, right? So pray God's word, but also talk to him. And I just know you guys, and I'm in groups with you, and I'll say, who wants to pray? And it's like crickets, you know what I'm saying? So practice talking with God alone. But then when we get together, I'd love to hear your prayer life. Some of you have heard prayer, and some have never heard you, you pray before. I love hearing how people talk to their God. It's like, can you, get, you just kind of listen in, like, oh, that's, that's how you talk to Jesus. That's so cool. As we close today, thinking about God being our Father, this identity is where we start moving to his, his glorious riches and his, his kingdom and his will. Um, I just want to close with this passage, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17. You can memorize this when you leave today. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Don't do like I did with that car, waiting three, four weeks to go visit the pro. We have this ability to go to our Father and pray without ceasing, that aware of who God is and who we are and his kingdom should be on our minds all the time. Let's close with prayer. Father, our Father, our Heavenly Father and all the weightiness of that. We believe that. We believe you want us to come to you and align our lives so that we run straight. Father, you're loving, you're accepting, you listen to us, you talk to us. It blows our minds how much you care for us. And we thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Lord, we confess that we don't pray without ceasing. Help us pray 
without ceasing. Help us daily, throughout the day, be reminded of your glorious riches you have for us and your forgiveness. Father, this church, as we're just a baby growing, growing in this community, we know we can do nothing without you, and may you be glorified as we come to you and celebrate the things that you're doing. It's in your name. Amen.